Hello, this is Ryan with Ready Rhino One, and uh, this podcast I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, cooking and baking. So, uh, cooking and baking is something that I've actually been and uh, have enjoyed learning more about in the past uh, many years. Actually, ever since I, I moved out on my own, um, I've had to obviously cook for myself, um, and it's been um, it's been very rewarding. Uh, endeavor. I've learned um, a ton of different things uh, about it and I've actually enjoyed uh, actually cooking and stuff like that and it's always it's always given me kind of a nice challenge uh, to kind of go through. Um, I would not consider myself proficient um, or professional grade in any sense of the word. It's very much a home cook. Um, I, I've, I have had some success with some more advanced, uh, techniques. I shouldn't say advanced, more moderate to advanced techniques. Um, and it's, it's honestly kind of felt like a lightning strike, um, cause I, I don't really reproduce <laughs> the same level of quality, um, on subsequent attempts. Uh, but it is encouraging sometimes when I'm able to actually do different things like that. And so for this podcast episode, I really wanted to kind of, uh, go through and maybe, maybe encourage people who, um, who maybe want to cook or have thought about cooking or baking. Um, but they just didn't really have a lot of confidence to do that. Uh, and so I, I thought maybe I could just kind of talk a little bit about it as it pertains to me. And then maybe something, uh, something about this kind of speaks to you. Um, so, uh, one of the bigger things I, I learned early on was having to do with cooking versus baking. Um, they kind of, they're almost two different disciplines. Um, there's, there's, you know, a crossover, uh, or there are parts of it that overlap one, one another, but you know, honestly, um, th- th- that's not always the case. Uh, but for the, they they can for the most part just kind of be uh, uh, separated, and so with cooking the the ratios really aren't as strict when you're talking about oh add some of this and add some of that they're they're, they're not really as strict. Um, there's a lot more leeway. Uh, mistakes aren't as devastating. You can usually recover from mistakes. You can salvage the dish, um, or you can kind of stop on the one thing and try to remake uh, part of it. So so for example, if you undercook a piece of meat. Well, you can just put it back on the grill or put it back in the pan and kind of bring it up to up to a higher temp, uh, things like that. Whereas uh, baking, you don't really there's not a ton of room to make an error. Um, that's not to say that it's like extremely strict, but it's stricter than cooking um, in some ways. And there are some parts of cooking where it is it can be pretty strict, but baking is a little bit different. And so, um, the process can even be rigid. Uh, you can't just add certain things whenever you feel like it. Um, sometimes there's an order in which you have to add things, right? So keeping wet ingredients separated from dry ingredients, uh, that kind of thing that can, can matter. Um, it's always a good idea to just to go ahead and do that. Um, so, you know, there, there is, there's obviously a difference between the two and, uh, I've, I've enjoyed aspects of both, um, I feel like cooking, um, for me, there's a lot more variety. I feel like with baking, um, it can get really complicated. Um, and a lot of times you're dealing with just like, um, semi-limited number of foundational, 
uh, ingredients and it's really about the techniques of applying and applying that and making sure your ratios are good. And I mean, the thing is too, like, you know, when we're talking about just flour, I mean, the thing with baking is you, you these foundational ingredients seem like they're all kind of uniform, but when you start to get really into it, you find like, well, you can actually, there's little dials and levers you can pull to kind of really uh, change things. Um, and then how you apply techniques and little variations in that can really change something from one thing to another. Uh, in terms of flour, like there's different, um, I think protein or percentages of protein in them or something like that. So uh, there's like bread flour, all purpose flour, um, whole wheat flour, and, and each of these flours have various and different, um, uh, properties to them. And for the most part, if you're just making a, making a bread, you're not going to notice, right? It's not going to necessarily matter too much. Um, but you know, when you start getting deeper and deeper into it, you start to see like, you know, some of these recipes are calling for very specific types of flour and there's reasons for that. Um, so there is a is a very big depth in baking. And I just feel like it's, it can be somewhat, uh, for me personally, uh, a tad tedious, but I do enjoy making like, uh, uh, breads. Um, I've made bagels and, uh, pretzels and, um, uh, other kinds of confectionery type stuff. And, uh, I haven't gotten like super into baking, um, beyond, uh, different kinds of breads and stuff. Um, and even that's kind of somewhat narrow. Um, I kind of, I like cooking a little bit more. Um, and, uh, like I said, you know, cooking, I feel like there's a lot more variety. Um, there's also, uh, you know, every culture has, uh, this whole set of stuff and techniques sometimes that they employ to, uh, achieve certain dishes. And that can be kind of exciting, you know, like, I just feel like I want to do my Asian cooking, right? Um, <laughs> because there's no, there's no baking in Asian cooks in, in Asian, uh, cooking, um, tends not to be, as far as I know, there's not a whole lot of baking, if any, I, I can't really think of anything. There's a lot of, um, well, they just don't do baking that much. Um, but you know, you, you can, so you get this whole set of ingredients that mostly deal with, uh, with Asian stuff. And it's like, it's absolutely delicious to like experience these different, um, cultures through their cuisine. Um, and then you get to learn sometimes a little bit of backstory on like, why did this particular dish come to be? Um, and that to me can sometimes be a little, um, a little exciting to kind of learn more about that. And so I'll usually go, I'll look for like, well, you know, what are the, uh, typical, um, dishes that are popular in a certain, you know, culture. And I'll try to make those things and I learn a little bit about it and it's kind of, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, just some, just some, like some other tips that I've learned, um, just by doing, <laughs> by doing some of this stuff, I thought I'd pass along, um, something about cooking. So like, uh, knife skills, um, and a sharp knife are very important. Um, you know, this, this is kind of a basic technique. It's not, it's, it's for safety, um, to have the proper knife skills, how to safely and efficiently break down, uh, certain ingredients can be very important. Um, oddly enough, the sharper the knife, the more safe it is. Um, I have not seriously hurt myself with a knife, but I've had some, I've had a couple of close calls and each time it's been because the knife, um, was not sharp, was not as sharp as it should have been. And, um, you know, cause if the knife is dull, it just slips and it can, and it's still, even though it's dull enough to slip, it's sharp enough to cut you. So, uh, it's important that, um, the knife be very sharp. It makes it a lot easier to control, um, as you're doing things. 
you don't have to put as much pressure and weight on something. You let the, you hear some cooks and chefs, they do say, let the knife do the work, right? So if the knife is extremely sharp, it just, it very easily cuts through. It's things like carrots. For me, the carrots seem like kind of a, a scary thing. In order to cut carrots, you feel like you have to put a lot of pressure on it. But if your knife is sharp, it's not bad at all. And it's actually a lot easier. If you're having to tense up your your forearm or your your, your upper body just to kind of cut through a carrot and then pow, it, you know, breaks through and, you know, like that, that to me is scary. Um, but if it's sharp enough, it just cuts right through very easily, you know, and, you know, without very much effort. So you have more control. Um, so that's something important. Um, salt, uh, seasoning, um, is a huge deal. Um, I used to think, you know, oh, you just put a little salt on it and that's all you do. Um, but there, there are a ton of different types of salts and a lot of it matters. Uh, I, if you want to look into um, salt a little bit more, Japan's got like a ton of varieties of salt and they have applications for almost all of them. Like there's specific applications for them. Um, that aside though, uh, salting at different parts of the cooking process for a particular dish can in fact matter. Um, so like for a steak, you don't, salting after you cook the steak or seasoning with salt after you cook the steak it's not nearly as helpful as if you were to salt the meat prior to cooking because salting the meat prior to cooking um, draws out some of the moisture that's on the outside of the meat and is conducive for creating that nice crust that sear that you make on the meat which ends up locking in all the the remainder of the moisture inside the steak itself which retains its flavor um, so it does matter when you salt and I, I've only looked at a couple of recipes. I can't think of them off the top of my head now, but there was some where like you actually have uh, different times during the process where you will salt something. So you salt something before, then you get it to a certain point, then you salt it again with a different type of salt and it just keeps on going. Um, and you know, you have to be careful if you don't want to oversalt, but you definitely don't want to undersalt. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of a, a cool little thing to kind of learn. Um, and it's something to definitely look up I must like why and when you would salt something throughout the process. Some recipes kind of gloss over that. They don't, they don't even mention it too much. And sometimes uh, recipes will mention a technique where it's, it's understood that you would salt. Um, so you have to kind of look into some of that too. Uh, on the baking side, a couple of cool things that I had learned. Um, measuring by weight and not by volume. Um, this is something that's pretty, pretty big. I think uh, a lot of recipes, um, will call for like a cup of flour and, you know, one and a half tablespoons of whatever. And the problem is like flour settles, um, depending on the type of flour, uh, depending on, um, I guess the humidity in the air, salt or, uh, flour can kind of clump up. And so it's volume actually changes, uh, or it's not as consistent, whereas it's weight is more consistent and but it's a little bit diff more difficult to adapt a recipe that uh, that instructs you to measure by volume in adapting it to measuring things by weight um, but this is one of those things where even if you do like um, uh, measure things by volume it's not the end of the world obviously i mean a lot of times it's, it still works um, but you might start to get you know, as you, as you've done the same recipe over and over again you might find that like hey i just noticed you know sometimes like the, the results aren't as, as consistent as I would like. And, you know, I don't understand. Like, I feel like I'm following the recipe, um, to the letter every single time, but I get varying results. Uh, and it might be because of measuring by volume rather than weight. 
um, something to help measure more consistently um, with volume rather than weight is my next tip <laughs> is to actually sift the flour through a sieve or sieve. I don't know which maybe it's tomato, tomato, but you know, a, a, some kind of sieve or sieve. Um, and you basically, you, 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 what I do is I just kind of, I measure, I sort of roughly measure out, uh, the flour and I, t I dump it into a sieve and then tap it against my palm, um, over a, a larger bowl. And then from there I'll, you know, measure it out into, you know, the, the measuring cups or whatever, and then set that aside. And then the excess I can put back in my jar. Um, and by sifting the flour through the sieve, uh, it breaks up a lot of the clumps and makes it more uh, a more consistent uh, granularity. Uh, and so it will fill the volume more consistently. And I think you, you can get a little bit more consistent results. Um, I think the next step, though, would be to fully measure things by volume or by uh, weight, um, which might be a little more difficult to some, but uh, at least only difficult only because you have to adapt recipes, right? So <laughs> I think if you did it by volume and then measured the weight and then, you know, made some notes, like how did it turn out? Did it, you know, and then maybe adjust it here and there until you get, it's, you know, it's a little, if you're going to practice anyway, you might as well be taking notes so you can kind of adjust these things and convert your recipes into weights instead of volume. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, this, there's a couple of things that I had learned. Um, but I, I also, something I also found was useful was challenging yourself. Um, sometimes these recipes always seemed very intimidating, right? I mean, you see this finished thing and it's like, wow, it's really, you know, <laughs> a lot went into that. Um, and it, it sometimes it's not that bad. Um, it only seems that way. Um, but you should totally challenge yourself. Like I, I remember like I would pick things, pick recipes to make simply because like I was, I felt familiar enough with some of the techniques that were being employed, but there was something new that I'd never done. And so I want to challenge myself to see, you know, what are some of the, just to get through it and see what some of the challenges were. Like, where did I fall short? You know, what do I need to improve on? What should I learn more about? And it was just kind of exposing yourself to this new stuff and always kind of really was an enriching experience more so, um, than, you know, just cooking the same thing over and over again. Um, and you know, recipes, uh, you don't have to like stay strict onto a particular recipe. Um, recipes tend to just kind of roughly map out a path. Um, and then you successfully, um, get through it by making deliberate steps, um, through practicing the basic techniques, um, that are called for in the recipe. And that's kind of where that success comes from. Um, but you know, to, to hold yourself strictly to a recipe, especially in cooking, um, you know, I, I wouldn't do it too much. You can kind of amp up your anxiety and, and stuff like that. Um, mise en place is a, is a big deal. Um, getting everything kind of measured out ahead of time, set aside, and you kind of figure out in your head, okay, I'm going to take this, dump it in here, cook it for this, do that, do that. So that's kind of, you can have to look up the actual meaning is I think it's like everything in its place or I forgot what it meant. Um, but the mise en place is where you just kind of, you get everything kind of prepped and ready to go. So when you actually do the cooking process, you're just grabbing things and dumping it in. What you don't want to do is, you know, you start cooking and it's like, oh, I didn't prep this. And you got to hurry up and like, you know, uh, cut up and do this other thing. 
Um, you, you don't want to have to do that. That's not when, when you're cooking, when things are on, on heat and you're trying to get this stuff done, that is not when you want to be like quickly trying to, to prep something. Um, practice, um, was a big thing. I remember I, the first time I would do a recipe was an, as utter failure sometimes. And I'd have to try it again and again and again. And I would learn, you know, more and more like how to change different things. Like I look, you know, if I ran into like what I felt like was a dead end, I would go and look up like, okay, how, how are, are the people doing this? You know, like, so for like a chili, um, you do things the way you think it should be done. And then you watch someone else do it and you realize, oh, that's what they were, that's what the recipe was trying to describe. Um, but I misinterpreted it. Um, so those, that can always be useful. Also learning why things are done the way they are. A lot of recipes will just say something or a technique will say, do this. Um, I think it's important to learn why that technique is effective, not just that, oh, everyone says this is how you do it. Yes. But why is, why do they say that? Uh, and sometimes you can learn a little bit more about food science and it's, it's really neat. Um, so like, uh, you know, mayonnaise, um, mayonnaise is made with an emulsification of like an oil and egg. Um, and there's not a whole lot more to it. Um, but you know, just kind of learning a little bit about some of that stuff you, you kind of take for granted, but it, you can then, you know, apply some of that to other things. Um, so it's always good to kind of learn, uh, kind of the why behind a lot of stuff. And I always like to go easy on myself. Um, you know, I kind of approach something like I'm not being judged. I'm not being graded. This isn't being enter entered into some kind of contest. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to try and learn, um, and just kind of bring some levity, uh, to the experience so that you don't really feel judged or observed or whatever. You don't feel as anxious and it's, it can be a, a fun experience. Um, and I would do that with cheap ingredients, <laughs> you know, go for something like, you know, mac and cheese, like, you know, that way I feel like mac and cheese, like even if you sort of fail at mac and cheese, it's still edible and it's probably still going to be okay and good. Um, but you don't want to practice with something that calls for saffron or something that's really expensive. That might be a little more difficult and you, you get there, you know, but, um, I don't know. So, uh, you know, just go easy on yourself. Um, the whole goal is, is, isn't just to make, um, fun edible food. That's certainly a, you know, a, a good side effect, but it's really just to experience this process of making food and cooking, uh, and, you know, become better than, than to become better than what you were before. So, uh, I think that's always a lot of fun. Um, something that I've recently started to try and get into, I haven't had a whole lot of success is uh, fermentation. Um, it's, it's a whole different thing. I mean, it's a lot more science. Um, it's kind of closer to baking in some ways. You get to be kind of precise. Um, there are processes that you kind of get the ball rolling and then you don't touch. And then you do some things here and there to kind of help things along. Um, I haven't really done a ton of fermentations. If I, I tried a sourdough starter, it didn't work out too well. Ended up making a lot of hooch. Um, which was interesting. That was fun to find. I mean, it's because I had the ratios wrong or I didn't feed it and it, uh, you know, it just, it became alcohol, um, a pretty strong one. Uh, so that wasn't, that wasn't great. Uh, and then, uh, I did make pickles. Um, I don't even know if that's a fermentation or not. 
it was fun nonetheless. Um, the pickles honestly turned out really well. Um, maybe that's just me saying it, but like, I, I don't, it's not that I dislike pickles. Um, they're not my favorite. Um, but this turned out really well. I mean, it had garlic and red pepper flakes and, uh, dill, um, was the main, uh, herb in there and, you know, the vinegar and water, uh, mix, and then these cucumbers and it was fantastic. Salty cucumbers, right? So you had, I had to, I had to slice up the cucumbers and then basically just soak them or not soak them, but like completely coat them in, uh, salt and the salt drew all this moisture out of them. Uh, and then, you know, they got dumped into this concoction, uh, like water and vinegar and, um, uh, dill and uh, garlic and red pepper flakes. And I can't remember, is there a coriander, I think, or something in it? Doesn't sound right. I don't remember. I made it like months ago. I still have this mason jar sitting in the back of the bottom of the, of the fridge and I'll pull these pickles out. Like, so I'll, I'll go to like, um, I'll just pick up a sub. Uh, somewhere and normally I would get pickles on it, but I'll just tell them not to put pickles on it And then I get home and I put my own pickles on it and it is fantastic um, So and the, and, you know pickles they'll last for quite some time I, I always check and make sure like, you know, these things go bad do they turn but I've heard of people holding on to jars of pickles They made for a year or more or maybe even longer. I think I, I heard like two plus years. I don't even know. Um, some people have iron stomachs and they'll just hold on to things longer than they probably should. Um, so I should probably look a little more about that, how long they'll keep. But it, I mean, they look fine. They taste great. Um, there's not a funk or mold that's developing. So I feel a little confident that they're, they're fine to hold on to. Uh, I feel like they're well-preserved. Um, so fermentation is something I, I'm kind of slowly kind of getting into. Um, I need to do more research on it. Uh, a lot of, a lot of the information about it kind of, um, uh, kind of revolves around making, um, beer, um, which that's not my goal. Don't, I don't really care about that at all. Um, but I mean, I think there's things you can learn from that to kind of help you in the fermentation process. Um, so there's certainly stuff to learn and that's kind of what I'm going for. Um, so I hope that that has whetted your appetite to learn more about cooking or baking, um, or possibly fermentation. So, um, I would encourage you to go ahead and, and absolutely pursue that. Um, it's a fun and rewarding, uh, endeavor. Um, there's plenty of books out there that kind of go over everything. So definitely check it out. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it and it's got a, a lot of practical, uh, purposes behind it. So, uh, thanks for listening and I hope to uh, see you in the next episode. Bye.